We're going to continue in a series uh, called The Unstoppable, The Power of Making Disciples. We've been over the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been over the power of the gospel message. Now we're in the power of making disciples. And it is uh, Acts chapter 13 through 20. And we're going to be in chapter 15 today. The title of the message today is How We Follow God Together. Did you know that? We've got to follow Him together. Like, uh, I thought it was an uh, individual sport. Uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> Following Jesus Christ is a team sport. This isn't, this isn't like cross country. Oh, I guess that's a team sport. This isn't like boxing. Oh, you got coaches there too. Like, this is a team sport. You got to do it together. You got to do it in community. And you know what? Sometimes it gets messy. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Sometimes it gets messy. Amen. Amen? I mean, just sometimes, I don't know if you went to small group this week, but it got messy at my small group, right? Like it was fellowship week. It was still messy. Sometimes it gets messy and it's good. It's good. We follow him together. So uh, this is a how-to message, right? This is how to do a couple things. I'm going to answer two very important and practical questions that are in the passage. The first one is, what must I do to be saved? Got to answer that right? If you don't answer that question, then nobody's really in the sport. Nobody's really in the family. Nobody's really following Christ. We're not disciples yet. So in order to make disciples, we've got to be disciples of Jesus Christ. So what must I do to be saved? And then once saved, here's the next question. How do I handle disagreement with another believer? Right? How do I handle disagreement with another believer? You're like, that'll never happen. Uh-huh. Anybody had trouble uh, getting into uh, dissension or debate or disagreement? Okay, if you've ever been in debate, dissension, or disagreement with somebody, raise your hand. All right, Travis, you're not raising your hand, so let's just get into it right now. <laughs> just kidding. You were filling out the register, right? Hey, I mean, it's just, I mean, like everybody raises their hand on that, right? It's, it's not a matter of like if, it's a matter of when and um, so let's just look at how to be a disciple and follow hard after God together from Acts chapter 15, okay? Open up your Bible to Acts chapter 15. If you're there, say you're there because I don't hear any pages ruffling. Oh, you guys are just on it today. I love it. All right, perfect. Acts chapter 15, verse 1. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching, circle that, teaching the brothers this is what they were teaching. This is false teaching. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. I, th I find it interesting that to say a custom of Moses, it is the law, but it started with Abraham, right? It started at the beginning, Genesis 17 with Abraham. So this precedes the law for sure. But they're like, hey, 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 you got to follow the law. You got to be circumcised or you can't be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate, that's a way of saying it was a big deal, right? I love how the Bible is always like, no small thing, right? It's like, it was massive. He had, they had a huge dissension and debate with them, with other believers. Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. 
So there's a question, there's a dissension, there's a debate, there's this tension, and there's a huge disagreement. We're going to handle that in a minute. I'm going to keep reading. We'll get through the whole thing, but I'm going to keep reading. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia, we talked about that last week on the map, and Samaria, just between Galilee and uh, Judea, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles. And they brought great joy to all the brothers and sisters. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. They're like, hey, let us tell you our God story. It was like they were going along in Phoenicia and in Samaria and in Judea. And they're like, let me tell you what God's doing in our life. Let me tell you what God's doing in our church. And it was like this big rejoicing party everywhere they went. Hmm. But, don't you love it? It's awesome. We're playing churches today. It's great. Everything's good in the church. But, (laughs) there's always a but, right? But some believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees, you're like, man, those guys, every time we say their name, we're like supposed to go what? Ugh, right? Ugh, right? So the Pharisees are getting saved now. Some of the Pharisees are believing in Jesus Christ. They rose up and said, it is necessary. It's needed. You have to do it. It's a must to circumcise them and to order them, I mean, I mean, you absolutely declare, you have to do this. If you don't do this, you're not good. You're not saved. To order them to keep the law of Moses. Isn't it true that people bring their baggage into church when they come? I mean, even the Pharisees, right? Like, oh, we got saved. And then they're like, here's my baggage. Boom. You know, <laughs> please no, right? Like just come to church. Let's do church together, but let's leave our baggage from other churches outside the doors. You know what I'm saying? And these guys couldn't do that. They had to bring it all with them, and that's going to cause a big stir. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. Just uh, very clear in Scripture that this wasn't like a congregational meeting. There was no voting Um, This is the leaders of the church. The apostles is one group of leaders. The elders of Jerusalem is another group of leaders. Apostles led by Peter. The elders uh, of the Jerusalem church led by James. You'll see it all in a few minutes. And these were gathered together, the leaders, the spiritual leaders, to consider this matter. And after they had been much debate, I mean, even with leaders, there's debate. And that's okay. Peter stood up, and in their culture, uh, those who had the most to say waited till the end, not in our culture. Those who think they have the most to say, say it first, okay? Just in their culture was like, yeah, okay, yep, 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 yep. All right, here's the answer, right? So they're going to answer last, so here's the big hoonas coming at you right now, okay? Peter, pretty big deal, stood up and said to them, brothers, you know How do they know? I mean, you know. I mean, this isn't new news. I don't know why we're even talking about this right now. You know. How do they know? Well, 10, 15 years ago, Acts 11 happened, and he 
got confronted and criticized. And there was a whole Jerusalem meeting back then about the Gentiles and why he went to Cornelius' house. You can go read it. You know that in the early days, God made a choice. I want you to circle that, underline it, start in your Bible. God made a choice. This is God's deal. Salvation's God's deal, not yours. You don't get to pick who's saved and who's not. You don't get to tell them what they do and what they don't. God chose. God does it. God gives it. God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear. Have that circled and a one by it. In my Bible, they hear the word of the gospel. He's not going to explain what the word of the gospel is. He's assuming they know. You can go back through Acts and see all of it. Again, this is church leaders. This isn't the church. He doesn't have to feel like he has to explain what the word of the gospel is. He's just like moving on. That the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe the word of the gospel. Number two. And God, who knows the heart, ask God, bore witness to them, evidence, by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, between us and them. And having cleansed their hearts by faith, now therefore, why are you putting God to the test? Everybody got real small real quick right there. Okay, that's Deuteronomy 6.16. And everybody, every Pharisee knows Deuteronomy 6.16. Everybody's like, whoa, hold on. Drop the bomb, right? I mean, just like, I, I don't have anything more to say. Okay, why are you testing God by placing a yoke, the law on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? We can't keep the law. Why are we asking them to? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. That's what we believe. We believe salvation is by grace, through faith, alone. That's what we believe. Can I get an amen on that? That's what we believe, right? But see, I think people don't say amen right away to that because it's like, well, hold on. I grew up in a church where it was kind of more than that. That's kind of simplistic, isn't it? I, I was like, isn't there like, uh, I mean, I got infant baptized. Isn't that part of this deal? I, I got confirmed when I was 12. Isn't that part of this deal? I remember when I took my first communion. I mean, that was pretty important. It was a big party. Like, these are big deals. You know? I remember when I memorized scripture. I remember, I, remember all the, I remember when I was told I had to go to church. I remember when you told me, Steve, that I needed to be baptized and I needed to get in a small group and I needed to serve and I needed to tithe and I needed to... I remember when you started saying all these things, Steve. That's not simplistic. And we do go on from salvation to other things as mature believers but it starts simple. You don't have to take care of your baggage to come to Christ. That's what coming to Christ is. It's leaving it at the door right there. So I just, how to be saved. In your, in your outline, you have it there, how to be saved. Here's the first thing. 
The word of the gospel, the word of the gospel. What does that mean? You can go read it and, and it, you know, it's all in Acts. And, you know, it started in Acts 2 when he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins. You know, all this stuff. We could go Acts, you know, right through it. But here's what it is. It's, you got to hear it. You got you to hear it. Are you hearing me? Can you, can you hear this? Is it entering your ears? Okay, yeah, it's in your ears. Is it to your heart yet? Hear the truth about Jesus. Hear the truth about Jesus. So I thought maybe you could just hear the truth. Maybe just relax, put your pen down. John three sixteen. that's the truth, eh? That's the truth? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only, his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal, or King James, everlasting life. Okay? That's how I memorized it when I was growing up. Have eternal life. You're like, perish? What does perish mean? It means die. Like, why do I have to die? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin brings death. That's Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life, right? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Like, well, man, what do I do with that? I didn't know. Well, Romans 5.8. God demonstrated his love for us. When we were still sinners... Yep, that's me. Christ died for us. That's what he did. It's such a great thing. Then this, Romans 10 verse 9. Jesus did this for me? So how do I accept that gift? Well, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I don't know how clear that is to you, but that's pretty crystal clear to me. That is what it is. That's it. Say Jesus is my God, my master, and trust that Jesus successfully paid for my sin, that he died and not only died, but that he rose again in victory over sin and death and you are saved by grace through faith. Well, that would just lead us to Ephesians 2, 8, 9, wouldn't it? For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, not by works, lest anybody should be like, look at me. I'm working in the job of preacher, Right? I drove up to West Minneapolis, downtown Minneapolis today to go to church. You know, it's not like that. We lay ourselves down for the church. It's not easy to come at five in the morning or six in the morning and get everything set up and play drums and, you know, sing music and get ready. You know, people have to do this stuff. We lay our lives down for the church so that no man can boast. So I can't say I did it. That's the whole plan. That's the whole salvation thing. So I can't say that I did it. He did it. It was him. 
I must call on Jesus. And Romans 10, 13 just makes it the clearest you can make it. For everyone, and by everyone that means anyone that's hearing my voice right now. Are you hearing the truth about Jesus? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You get it? It's not simplistic. It's clear. It is simple. You go, but that's not easy. I have to believe in Jesus? I mean, I've never seen Jesus, right? You can read all about him. It's as factual as it gets. The Bible is as clear as it gets. The second thing, how to be saved, believe. And let's just make it real clear what the gospel is. Jesus paid for my sin. That's what we're believing. That there's a payment over my sin. It's personal, right? Believe Jesus paid for my sin. Now you listened, you heard all those verses that I quoted over you. Do you believe it? He died for you. He died for me. Him for me. And then this last thing. This is how to be saved. Receive the Holy Spirit as proof. People go, whoa, it's going to get weird now. What do we got to do to prove that the Holy Spirit's in us? We got to speak in tongues. We got to, man, if you want to talk about divisiveness, you just go to Corinthians 12 through 14 and the love chapter is right in between for a reason, right? Because that is as divisive as it gets. So let me just be really clear about what I'm talking about when I'm talking about proof. It's in the passage. Evidence of salvation. Here's three things in the passage. Verse nine. Cleansed. Do you see it there? Cleansed their hearts by faith. Cleansed. Blood washed clean. I don't feel very cleansed. Well, if you asked him to come, if you confess, right? He is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You mean everything? Yeah, everything. So I think that cleansing is important. And I think you got to feel cleansed, right? Like, so it's all about a feeling. No, 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 no. It's happened, but you've got to forgive yourself. Jesus forgave you. Can you forgive yourself? Can you let go? Stop hanging on to your sin with a kung fu grip. Let it go. Right? Jesus paid for it already. You can drop it. And then this next thing, verse 11, I just called it compassionate because I like to alliterate, but experience grace. Experience grace, right? When you experience grace from God, do you see it there? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus. When you've experienced that grace, you can't help but be compassionate towards someone else. It's like, God forgave me everything. I'm clean. I felt really dirty a minute ago, but I'm clean. I'm forgiven. And if you feel that way, there's no way you can walk out the door and go, why are you so dirty? What's wrong with you? You have to be compassionate. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see. And I'm praying that one day you'll be found, not lost. And one day 
you'll be able to see, not blind. And then changing, verse 19. Just look at it quick. We haven't read it yet, so let me read it. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. Do you see it there? Turn to God. That's a 180. That's a 180. I'm walking this way. I'm too sexy for my shirt. God drops a boulder on me, and I'm like, oh, right? And I get up, and I go the other direction, Something has to change. Now, I'm not saying you have to be glorified at the moment of salvation, right? Oh, I'm 100% changed. I'm perfect. Like, that's bogus. Find that guy and I don't, I don't know. That's, that's weird, right? I'm healed from everything ever. I don't do anything wrong. I'm sinless. That's false. We all know that from scripture, right? Like, we're not glorified till we meet Jesus Christ, but we are sanctified. We are changing. We are set apart at the moment of salvation and more and more and more and more as we grow, as we read, as we learn. I'm not expecting to be perfect. I'm expecting you to be different. Different. Not the same as before. Different. That's how to be saved. I pray that that would touch your heart. And this is why. You know, this was a message that didn't include any of that so far. How's that going for us 25 minutes in? None of that was in the message until late this week because I've been praying personally that people would accept Christ in our church, that people would, that we would see new birth, that people would be born again, right? Jesus said, you must be born again. Nicodemus is like, what? Can I enter my mom's womb? That's silly. no. You have to be born of water and the Spirit, right? You have to accept Jesus Christ. You have to receive the Holy Spirit as proof, right? Are you saved? And we have so many of these like gospel plus churches. It's this and, 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 and you gotta and, and, and. It's like, no, 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 no. So if you grew up that way in that church, I don't wanna say I'm better than them. I don't want to say I'm telling you something that has more authority. I want to point to the scriptures and say, this is what the scripture says. So I just want you to be clear because eternity hangs in the balance on this. Salvation is by God's grace through my small faith that what he's doing is done and I accept it. Believe that and nothing else. This is the power of making disciples. And there is no power in making disciples until I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. So I'm praying that you will give your life to the Lord. You're like, how can I do that? Here, I've heard it. Believe, confess, right? Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. God rose him from the dead you'll be saved. Receive the Holy Spirit in that moment of belief as proof of your salvation. I pray that you've done that. All right, well, that's clear. Hey, that's as clear as it gets right there. Thank you, Lord, for the clarity from your word. But this is all taking place because there's a debate, <laughs> right? And we know how to get into a disagreement 
pretty easy every day at my house, but how do we get out, right? I don't even think debate's a bad thing. I'm like, let's do it, right? Just got to fight fair. How to handle disagreement in the next 12 minutes. Here we go. Dissension. Let me give you a definition for dissension because that was the word it used up here in uh, verse 2. Dissension and debate. So dissension. Opposing opinions that are not easily resolved. All right? The Bible says this. The Bible says this. Woo! You know? Genesis 17 says that Abraham had to circumcise all of the people in his household. Right? Now what? So we've got, I mean, they're going at it. I mean, they both think they're right. You ever been like that? Well, I'm right. This is what the Bible says. Well, I'm right. This is what the Bible says. And we are so good at proof texting. We're like, here's my one verse about what I like. Let's look at the whole counsel of the word of God. You know what I mean? So let's just look at this counsel of the word of God here and, and get after it. Okay, so here's the first thing. And we've already kind of gone through it. Number one, how to handle disagreement. Lean into a group of spiritual leaders. I want you to notice in the first several verses there that Paul and Barnabas, who were apostles, weren't like, I'm an apostle. Shut up. What are you doing? You know, they were like, hey, we're getting it on. I'm not, I don't agree with you. This is why I don't agree with you, right? I was there when Stephen got murdered, you know? How's that for keeping the law? <laughs> I'm a murderer. Fail, right? Like, they're, they're going at it. But at the end of the day, Paul and Barnabas are like, we're not the final authority, we need to get up under some authority. We're walking down 300 miles to Jerusalem to figure this out. And they see the importance of coming under authority. Too many decisions are made in isolation. You know, Proverbs 18.1 says, a man that isolates himself seeks his own opinion. He just seeks what he wants to hear. And... Uh, I think so many people, I could give you illustration after illustration. I said I'm going to be late, so I'm just going to keep moving on. But I mean, in the church, people go, ah, God called me to do this. Can you give me money to do this? It's like, come on, man. Like, why don't you ask us if God called you to do that before you ask us for the money to do it? Anyway, it gets weird. We make decisions in community, in our small groups, with our small group leaders, with our people that love us and know us. We ask them for prayer. We ask them to consider what we're going to do. I want to change jobs. I want to, I'm going to move you know, it's not like, hey, guys, I decided to move. Like, what? Like, we're doing life together. Like, we make decisions in community. And, and as elders, we operate under consensus. There's no voting in our elder room. I don't know if you know that. But we're all on the same page. And we pray and we go to the word and tell we're all on the same page. And that can take time. But that's what we do. We operate under consensus. This is our church. In the end, we all stack hands. Agree or not, we all stack hands. We all get to the point where we're like, we're coming out of here with a unified front. They got with the spiritual leaders of the church and they submitted the issue for prayerful consideration and decision. I love that. Now, 
Just two things to watch out for. Watch out for authority without plurality. Watch out for authority without plurality. The man in his house who says, I'm the final authority and doesn't listen to his wife. We got a problem, right? I mean, we just got a problem. The pastor that's like, it's my way or the highway. I mean, a matter of fact, I'll just give you an illustration from last week's uh, elder meeting. I brought to the elders, hey, I think we should do this. And they're like, no. I was like, no, no, but I really, I really, this would be a really good idea. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. It's not the right time. Okay, maybe you're not hearing me right. You know, like, this is a, can you say free? Like, uh, nothing's free. No. And I'm like, but we operate under consensus. It's not my way or the highway. It's a plurality of leaders. I love that. That's the way it should be, right? But also, if there's plurality and no authority, like I went to my five best friends and asked them what I should do because they told me what I wanted to hear and never gave me a sense worth of biblical authority. Well, good for you. That was a great plurality of your buddies. Like, watch out for that too. You need plurality and you need authority. You need them both. Say you need the both. You got to have them both. All right, the second thing. When you get into a disagreement, this is how you handle it. Lean into a group of spiritual leaders. Listen for God's heart for his people. You got to listen for God's heart for his people. (laughs) So many people, right? I mean, so many people are like, much debate, decision's not easy. God's going to make a choice and, you know, And then this turning point in the church was like, hey, 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 salvation by grace, through faith, all alone. That's it. But so many people get like bent, right? They get get twisted. They want to add something to the gospel. Or they want to take something away from the gospel. Don't do that. I read the end of Revelation this week with a guy. And I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, you don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that at all. Who's sufficient for these things? I mean, seriously? Like, I always want to add something. I always want to take something away. I want it to be my way. Who's sufficient for these things? I'll just read for you uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. This is why. Write this down. For the letter kills. Write this down. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Man, I grew up. The Bible says homosexuality is a sin. True or not true? That's what the Bible says, Romans 1. (laughs) That's true. But what's God's heart? Maybe not but what's God's heart. And God's heart is that all people who struggle with the sin of homosexuality would come to the knowledge that they can drop that. That that they can be free of that. Same thing in sexual immorality, right? I mean, 
Why do we penalize people for a certain sin? We do this in the church. The Bible says, and God's heart is, right? Gossip's a sin. Gluttony's a sin, right? We don't put those people in the penalty box. It's just weird. The Bible says God hates divorce. True or not true? I mean, the Bible flat out quote that says that. So why do we make, you know, second class citizens out of all divorced people? Well, you can never be an elder in this church. Well, you can never be in leadership in this church. Well, did God's grace not cover what happened? Have you not gone back now by the power of his grace and settled that thing? Then move on from it, right? I mean, you are free of that. Settle the accounts like you should and then be free of that thing. You're done with it. This one might be the worst. The Bible must be obeyed. That guy. Gotta obey the Bible. Gotta obey the Bible. Bible says tithe. If you're not tithing, you're in sin. Gotta obey the Bible. You know, like, I've been that guy. That guy stinks, right? When, when you're like, the Bible says you gotta do it. The Bible says you gotta do it. And you're getting angry and you're getting bent. And you're, where's the fruit of the Holy Spirit in that? When you're no longer loving as you're trying to get that person, the worst is like when you're like, this is just the worst for me. This is where I get into trouble, right? It's like somebody's been infant baptized and you're like, it's so clear in scripture. You need to be baptized by immersion after salvation. It's like, and you're like just pressing them, pressing them, pressing them. And you're like, I'm being unloving. They're going to get it when they get it. This is a God work. This isn't for me to get their eyes open. I'm trying to get you to see it. Like, get off. You're not being loving, right? Don't rip their eyes open. Just let them come to it. These are good things I put before your consideration. You got to be careful of the other extreme too, right? I know what the Bible says, but God's heart... Really? If you say, I know what the Bible says, but we're done. Right? Just, just, just stop right there, right? God's heart. Yes. Consider God's heart. People over policies and procedures for sure. Life over the law for sure. Right? And this third thing, look to the scripture for clear wisdom. So yeah, God's heart. Look to the scripture for clear wisdom. Look at, look at verse uh, 13. I think we left off at 13. And they finished speaking. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon, that's Hebrew for Simon, which is Peter, has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name, one name, right? And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. You need to underline in your Bible. It is written. We need to say more in decisions like this, in decisiveness, in disagreement. This is what the Bible says, right? It is written. 
After this, this is Amos chapter 9, verses 9 and 11. Man, I read Amos this week. It's on our Old Testament Bible reading plan. You should read it. And uh, it's powerful, man. It's powerful. It gets to the end. It's like, I'm going to renew Israel because it was like Israel, 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 Israel. So, and then I'm going to renew Israel and we're going to be in the millennial kingdom. And he gets to the end, just at the very end. After this, I will return. I will rebuild the tent of David that was fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it. You're like, yeah, Israel's back. Millennium kingdom, woo! Keep reading, keep reading. That the remnant or rest is another translation, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Why? Through Jesus and all the Gentiles who are called by my name. woo Yeah, I'm in! Says the Lord who makes these things known from of old. You know what James says? Look back at scripture. Yes, I know Genesis 17 says this. Did you read Amos? Look at the whole counsel of the word of God. You remember Jesus? Look at the whole thing. Consider what scripture has. Learn. Look to what scripture has for clear wisdom. It's a great point. And then learn. Learn to make sacrifices with your freedom. I mean, I'm free. I'm free to do a lot of stuff. If it's by grace, through faith, alone, whoop, all right, now what? Pretty much I have a lot of things I can do. But how is that going to affect you? How is it going to affect you? I got to consider that. We have to learn to make sacrifices with our freedoms. You just see it there in verse 19. James says, therefore my judgment, it's awesome that James is the one doing that. This is the brother of the Lord. And uh, what a 180 in his life, huh? <laughs> I mean, what a 180. Like, Jesus, you're a lunatic. Get out here. He's like, we want to talk to you. No, I'm busy doing my father's work. You know? And then all of a sudden, he's like the head of the church. This is crazy stuff. This is God stuff. And he says, therefore, my judgment, Peter's on the sidelines. Woo, what's going on? Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble, not put a stumbling block is really what it means. Don't throw something in the way of somebody to annoy them. Not put a trouble uh, in front of those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain. I love that, abstain. Don't do this, please from the things polluted to idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. For, my, uh, for from ancient generations, Moses has, uh, has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Here's the point. The point is this. Jews are in every city. There's a synagogue. We're reading the law in every city. There are believers in every city, right? Well, Jews. <laughs> and they're now coming to Christ. But they've been taught by the law that you can't eat food offered to idols. That you can't eat that meat sacrificed to idols. That you should never strangle something because then the blood is left in the meat. Great illustration of this. If you go to Nupa and eat lamb, there's no blood in that. Do you, you get that? You ever had that? 
No blood. Tastes great. No blood, right? But if you go over to like Texas Roadhouse and get a steak, you're going to be some blood in there and you have freedom to eat it, right? But, but I'm just saying like this, you, you see the problem? These people are going to have a problem with this. And then sexual morality, you're like, duh. 50 times in the New Testament, God says it's between a man and a woman, right? And it's, it's a sacred thing. And sexual morality is wrong. Like, that's, that's no brainer. These other three are a little difficult. But these are pagan rituals that would affect a Jew. So isn't it interesting how something flips here? We were talking about the Gentiles, and how the Jews are trying to tell the Gentiles to do something. Now we're like, no, salvation is by grace through faith. And now what? The Jews all of a sudden, the weaker brother, right? All of a sudden, they're the weaker brother. And we're like, don't cause them to stumble. It goes both ways. For more information on that, you should read uh, Romans 12 through 15 this week. It'd be so good to read that. Sometimes we just have to lay down our freedoms, what we can do, because it's not what we should do in the moment. Let's keep moving. This next one, two, just last quickly. List your agreement to encourage unity. List your agreement to encourage unity. When you can, write it down. I mean, we have so many things here, okay? We have this. Remember I passed this out a couple weeks ago? This all, like the pillars of our church, the mission, the vision. Everybody should have one of these. You can get one out on the uh, worship table out there. Um, we have our doctrinal statement online. Doctrines and beliefs, we wrote it all down, right? This is what we agree on. We have the membership covenant. You guys are all at the membership meeting. If you weren't, we're waiting for one of these from you. We visit this often. These are our commitments. You want to go ahead? Go ahead and sign back up to be a member this year, right? This is what we've committed to, and there's four commitments of membership. I could read them for you, but that's not the point. Point is, when you can, when you do agree, write it down. Why? Because that brings encouragement and unity. Look what they did. I'll read it for you quickly. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders and the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Justice, called Bersabbas. He's got a lot of nicknames. I think he's in chapter one. So you go read about that. And Silas, he's going to be mentioned several times going on. Leading men among the brothers. And the following, with the following letter. So they wrote it down. Here's this. The brothers both the apostles and the elders, two ruling bodies, to the brothers and sisters who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings, love you. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you, put a stumbling block in front of you, with words unsettling, that word unsettling is like they break rough your thinking. You're in chaos and craziness in your mind because of what they've said to you. You're bankrupt. They've unsettled your minds, although we gave them no instructions. We didn't tell them to do that. It has seemed good to us, having come to one accord. They all stacked hands on this. Even the Pharisees. To choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who risked their very lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have therefore sent Judas and Silas who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. 
For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled, those are the food things, and from sexual immorality. If you keep, it wasn't even like, you have to keep these things, right? If you keep these things, if you keep yourself from these, you do well. Does it say if you keep these, if you keep these things, you'll be saved? Does it say that? No, it says you'll do well, you'll do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch and having gathered the congregation together, they got them all gathered together and they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced. Can you hear this eruption of people? Yeah! Woo! Yeah! Because of its encouragement and Judas and Silas, who were themselves, who themselves were prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. Yeah, that's why this message is really long. I'm just trying to be like them. Um, many words, many words, many words. And, and after they had spent some time there, they were sent off in peace, underline that, in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them back in Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. What are they going to do? Let's just keep preaching the word. Let's just keep going after it. Let's just keep telling people salvation is by grace through faith alone. You could be free from all of this. List your agreement to unity, to encourage unity. All right, this last thing. Live in peace with one another. <laughs> I got to read this for you. This is just crazy because all of that and they're preaching, right? And they're doing their thing. And then here's what happens. And after some days, Paul and Barnabas, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord to see how they are. Let's go back and visit all these guys from the first missionary journey. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them, John called Mark, remember what happened? But Paul thought it was best, thought it was wise not to take with them the one who had withdrawn, withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Uh-oh, uh-oh. What do we call that? Dissension. Two points of view that don't agree and aren't easily resolved. Here it is. And there arose a sharp disagreement. Ouch. So they separated from each other. This is the end of Paul and Barnabas. This is the end of Paul and Barnabas, but Paul speaks lovingly and well of Barnabas in his letters in Corinthians. And he speaks well of and says to Timothy right at the end before he dies, send Mark to me. Send John Mark to me. He's useful to the gospel. John Mark ended up writing the gospel of Mark. Even though they separated, they leave with grace and they live in peace with one another. It's so important that even if we come down to some, well, this is how we say it, on the major's conviction, okay? We're talking about salvation by grace through faith alone. That's it, right? Don't get that wrong. On the major's conviction, Ephesians 4 would tell you a few of those, seven of them. On the minor's tolerance, tolerance. You can be tolerant of one another. You can lay down your freedoms for one another on the minor's. And in all things, 
whether in conviction or tolerance, in all things, love. This is who we are. This is what we do. Barnabas took Mark with him and he sailed away to Cyprus and Paul chose Silas and departed having, which was just perfect for him. Uh, More to come on that in the second missionary journey. Having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches, which is what I hope I've done today. (laughs) Right? That's why we came to church today. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I hope that you'll accept Jesus by faith. Then, once you are a believer, I hope that I've strengthened you and encouraged you to handle what we have to handle in the church, which is disagreements with one another. It's just going to happen. But we've got to handle it. And at the end of it all, we need to live in peace with one another. Let's stand. God, thank you for the verse in Romans 12, 18 that says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with all. God, we want to we wanna live that out here at Harvest Bible Chapel. We want to live out that calling on our life to live peaceably with all. God, we believe these things. They are your things. They are your word. They are your heart. And we love you. And we love each one of the people that is here. (laughs) Strengthen them. Open their eyes to see what they need to see from this message. Send them out encouraged, challenged, awakened, revived. Celebrating the one name, which is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Do it, Lord, by your glory and for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.